Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Transfigured. And this is Sam Tiedemann here with myself. And uh, yes, I just said my real full name. Um, I think that many of you might have known that, or at least there was ways to know that, but I tried to generally avoid using my last name on this channel for some privacy and other related reasons like that. But I am just deciding to use my real name now and uh, removing that uh, layer of secrecy that I had previously. And I'll tell you a little bit why. Um, I want to take this video as an opportunity to share a little bit about a story that's happened to me recently relevant to this channel and then also talk about where I think this will, channel will be going in the future and what that means for um, this channel and for me and for you as my listeners. So I think that many of you know my story already in that um, growing up as a Unitarian, I've had various interactions, some pleasant, some unpleasant, with various Trinitarian churches and organizations. But for the last couple years, I'd been going to a regular Bible evangelical sort of church. I'm not going to say its name. I'm not going to mention any of the names of people. Um, while I'm uh, removing some of the layers of privacy around my name, I want to respect other people's privacy. Um, who haven't uh, made that same decision. And so I won't be using the name of any of the people at the church or anything like that. But I'd been attending that church with my family since before COVID. And so recently I was, and this, well, this started happening, I don't know, something like four or five months ago, um, was that I was called into the head pastor's office and I didn't know why I was being called in. I honestly thought I was being called in because um, they needed more help with their uh, growing family ministry work or something like that. I actually didn't have any real preconception of what I was being asked to talk to him about. And he mentioned that he had learned about my podcast and the elder board had. And the elder board had decided, um, based off of my podcast, to no longer allow me to play piano at that church. So I'll back up with a little bit of context. Um, the church before this church that I had started attending, I don't know, something like five, six years ago, um, was also a small Bible Trinitarian evangelical church in the Chicago area that I won't mention. And I had been going there for a while. I had volunteered for the worship band. Um, volunteering for the worship band put a statement of faith in front of me. Um, I said that I couldn't sign the statement of faith. I told some people some reasons. Um, they were surprised, and that ended up with the elder board telling me I could no longer take communion. And um, then I, my wife and I, we didn't have any kids. At, or Yes, we did have one kid at that time, a baby. My oldest was a baby at that time. We ended up leaving that church. And so after leaving that church, I started attending the church that I was just talking about. I had known the head pastor at that time for many years. I had been on a mission trip with him before. I had um, done various things associated with the church. He knew my family. I know who's, I knew his family, etc. And I told him what had happened at the previous church, and he was very kind, very warm, welcomed me with open arms. 
and uh, said that I was very welcome at his church, that I could play the piano, importantly. Um, I couldn't become a member unless I could sign the statement of faith because that's part of the rules of membership at their church. But other than being a member or an elder, um, I was allowed to pretty much do what I wanted to do and contribute how I wanted to contribute. They were happy to have me. I felt like sort of a member of the church, or at least that I belonged in the church in some sort of looser sense, but maybe not the full like official membership uh, sense. But honestly, that was that was okay for me. I uh, it was a good situation. Um, although that pastor ended up leaving that church and taking a job at a different church. And there was sort of a um, in-between status for a while that I won't go into. I'm trying to not give too many details or else it might make it too easy to figure out which church I'm talking about. But eventually there was a new pastor. Um, and this new pastor, I met with him when he first became the pastor. I told him about my uh, non-Trinitarian beliefs and my agreement that you could call it uh, with the previous pastor. Um, and he was, you know, more or less okay with that. I think he was caught a little bit off guard, but he said that he was perfectly willing to honor the previous uh, pastor's agreement. I should also say that it was right around that time that I got excommunicated from the previous church and transitioned to this church that I started my podcast. And that's not unrelated. One of the main reasons I started this podcast is that because of that excommunication, I felt a strong impetus that I needed to study the question of the Trinity or the not Trinity in Christology more closely. Um, because if I was going to be taking strong stances on this that affected my family and, according to some people, affected my salvation, that I should take the question more seriously. And I hadn't really thought about it as seriously for many years. So, but it, because it's a tricky topic, both in terms of its complexity and in terms of its sensitivity, it's a little bit hard to have conversations in everyday life with people about it. And so I was sort of caught. I'm like, well, I want to learn about this. I could read a bunch of books by myself, which I did and I have. Um, but I think that learning is often best done through interaction. And that is really one of the main motivations for starting my podcast is that it gave me an opportunity to talk to people who were experts on the subject, either through a scholarly credential or just sort of a um, self-motivated, no official credential. I'm fine with either of those two categories. And that this podcast gave me a chance to think out loud, to receive feedback. I've gotten lots of comments from all of you listeners over the years, uh, some of them more constructive than others, but I'm appreciative of all of them. And that part of this was, uh, the podcast was an opportunity to think out loud in public, but also kind of in private, in a weird sort of mix of public and private, about these topics. And um, I didn't have some polemical motive I would say it's not like the motive of my podcast was to convert as many people to a Unitarian Christology as I possibly could. Um, my main motivation was self-learning, honestly, and that anything that could be learned by other people was sort of a happy accident that came along with that. And I did feel like there was sort of a... Um, vacuum in the online Christian podcast YouTube space 
for conversations about the Trinity that were not debates and were not as heated or as aggressive, and to sort of take advantage of a new, um, I don't know, surge of long-form conversations that were becoming popular in podcasting and to try and focus on the Trinity. So I did feel like there was a little bit of a niche in the market, but I knew that this uh, sort of topic would never go viral, nor was that my intention. And in fact, there was a weird sort of constraint that I was placing on myself that I didn't ever want to um, risk my privacy or anything like that with who I talked to or how I talked to them. And so that sort of meant that I didn't want to get too popular or have too many followers or anything. And, but I also wanted to have enough to be able to invite the sort of people I wanted to talk to. It was sort of a weird um, tension. Uh, but anyway, that really was the motivation of my podcast. And I, this whole time I've been sensitive about the label false teacher because at the church that excommunicated me, when I was saying, guys, why are you excommunicating me? That seems harsh. I was volunteering for the worship band. Um, they said that, well, we considered labeling you a false teacher, which meant that you wouldn't have been allowed in the church at all. And instead, we decided that since you weren't teaching, you would just be excommunicated. And again, excommunicated means literally not being able to take communion. Um, and so I've been sensitive to that label as a false teacher, because certainly back then, even before I had a podcast or before I had appeared on the Internet talking about these things, whether on Paul Vanderclay's channel or any other channels, was that was certainly not true of me. I wasn't teaching anybody. But... This podcast is, of course, kind of a weird in-between. In my teaching, I express my opinions. I'm not shy about what I think. But I often don't spend much, if any, time really teaching what I think is the right way to understand things. I'll talk and teach a lot about the church fathers. and But then I'm teaching what I think they thought and what my best historical understanding of them is. So in, in some sense, I'm teaching about the church fathers, but I'm teaching about what they believe, not about what I believe. I mean, obviously, Hank and I will sometimes get in a tussle about um, our own personal beliefs, but that's often a smaller portion of the show. And it's really not, I would say, in the spirit of teaching. There are other Unitarian podcasts that are much more teaching-oriented, and I'm not criticizing them. I think those are great. I listen to them. I enjoy them. I viewed my role and my niche as something different than that. So I never really thought of myself as a teacher. Um, and But that was partly to avoid the label of being a false teacher. All right, so fast forward back to the present. Part of the reason why I'd avoided using my real name, and like my, if you know my real name now, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Twitter or whatever, although I don't really tweet. I'm probably going to keep it that way, although maybe not. Um, so, you know, be nice, be gentle about it. Don't, don't uh, harass me or my family. But it, it's because my last name is relatively unique, it's easy to find me. Um, but I don't, I don't mind that anymore um, because part of the reason why I had avoided using my last name was so that my podcast would never spill over into my real life and cause problems. But that has already happened, so I no longer really need to prevent that. 
And another reason why I sort of protected my privacy is that there was, I don't know, certain people in my life who didn't know about these things that I didn't want finding out this way. Um, but I've sort of taken care of that as a result of the, the recent things that have happened. So I'll dive back into a little bit more detail about what happened at my recent church. So I'd started my podcast due to my last excommunication to delve into this topic seriously um, with intellectual rigor and open-mindedness. And like, honestly, I really do mean this. If I would have been convinced by Trinitarian arguments, that would have made my life easier. It would have solved a lot of problems and it would have opened a lot of doors. If anyone thinks that I'm sort of some, some kind of Unitarian grifter or something like that, it's way the opposite. I'm making way more sacrifices for holding on to my beliefs than I would if I were to switch. And so, but I was open-minded because I wanted to learn from the experts and hear what they had to say. Um, but I will say that I really, I feel like I'm probably more sure of Unitarianism now than at any point since I started my podcast. Um, maybe my audience hasn't followed me in the same direction. Maybe some of you have, some of you haven't. Maybe some of you are at different places. I understand that. I get that. I'm just talking about um, where I've been. So anyway, telling a little bit more of the story of my recent church while still being respectful of um, the people and the church itself and not wanting to bring any harm to them or any violation of their privacy. Um, the a member of the elder board discovered my podcast after searching for my name and there were apparently enough breadcrumbs on the internet to be able to trace my name back to my podcast, even though I thought that I'd been careful not to lay such breadcrumbs, but such as the internet. And um, so that elder board member, I think then at a subsequent elder board meeting, brought me up. And again, this is all without contacting me first or me having any knowledge of this situation which I do think was honestly not quite proper. Um, I think in the book of Matthew, it says if you have something, if you have a problem with someone, you're supposed to address them personally first and not bring it to the church um, as your first step. I can see an elder wanting to do their responsibility, but I do think it was unbiblical to not talk to me first personally about this subject. And I think that a lot of confusion and problems could have been prevented if that had been, if the biblical formula had been more closely followed. But so the elder board decided that I should no longer be able to play piano. I think that their main motivation was because, so the funny thing was, like I've mentioned, previous pastors of this church and previous elder board members and previous members of the church knew about me, knew about my beliefs, and some even knew about my podcast. So it wasn't as if there were never any elders that had known about my podcast before, but elders serve for uh, whatever the term is. I forget if it's two or three years or whatever it is. And so the elder board shuffles from you know time to time when terms run out and new people take the spots of the old people. And so at this point in time, no one on the elder board knew about my podcast, even though previous instantiations of the elder board had. Um, but this elder board didn't. And so they were caught off guard, even though, like I said, I had told the pastor about my beliefs. I hadn't mentioned my podcast for, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have. I don't know. Um, 
And so they found out and they decided that they didn't like the idea of me being a public face in the front of the church. I'm trying my best to articulate their motivations as fairly as I can, that they didn't like my face being a public face of the church as a piano player on the worship team is when you go up in front. You know, I, I wasn't playing every Sunday. I was like once a month, twice a month, something like that. Um, and the, especially, since I think, like, I don't know exactly why they feared this, but they're like, well, we stream our services on YouTube and your face is on our services on YouTube. And then what if someone then got a recommendation for one of your videos afterwards and somehow confused or conflated our stance on this theological question? And which, for the record, I don't think would ever happen, but uh, that was one thing that they said. And so I think that they were trying to in no way appear to endorse my beliefs and that sort of thing. And so they told me I couldn't play piano. And I was upset because I had explicitly come to this church with an agreement from the pastor that I could play piano and do those sorts of things. And it, honestly, the the conversation that I had with the pastor and conversations that I had with the elder board, or I, and I didn't, another thing is I never even met the whole elder board. I only heard from one or two of them directly. And so it's, it's frustrating to never have a chance to clarify yourself to the people that are judging you. I feel like it's a fair standard to say that you get to meet your accusers and that you get to give a defense for yourself in front of the people who are deciding against you. I think that's just a fair standard that was not upheld. And that... Um, so I never even got to talk to all the elders. And it seems like partly because the elder board made what, in my view, was a hasty decision without all the information. Like, as far as they knew, they didn't think that anyone besides the pastor at the church had made any sort of decisions about me related to my podcast or related to my beliefs. But they didn't know the background and they didn't know the whole story. And so they were making it off of a very limited set of information because they didn't talk to me or ask me any questions. And so I think once they had made a decision, they felt like they couldn't back down from their decision or they would be backing down on the truth, backing down on the essential teachings of the church or or no elder wanted to embarrass themselves in front of the other elders or something like that. Once, once you've made a decision, it's a lot harder to reverse it than if you hadn't yet made a decision and you're deciding what to do. And so I think that that was part of what happened. So I don't know, maybe some of you will agree with what happened. Some of you will um, not agree with what happened. I'm, I'm trying to be vague. I'm trying to not violate anyone's privacy or not criticize anyone with my platform on the internet without giving them an opportunity to defend and explain themselves. I understand that sort of thing. But I'll also say that it it took this conversation took on a different tone with when I was talking with the pastor or the various elder uh, board members that I did talk to that they just felt extremely motivated to make sure that I understood that I was not saved because of my current beliefs uh, and that they didn't try very hard to 
convince me of the correctness of the Trinitarian point of view. Um, I think partially knowing that I have researched this more than they had, but they also wanted to make a tough stance. And so I, I get that that's sort of a weird, tricky situation of how do you talk to someone who you think is wrong but knows more than you do. Um, and I'm trying not to be too arrogant in saying that, but I, I think that that was part of the dynamic of what's going on. And, and that they just wanted to really make sure I understood that um, my salvation was at risk and that they had done their due diligence to tell me that, uh, as if I don't get reminded of that near daily on the internet from various members of the comment section. Um, so I think that it, at, some, at some level, playing the piano is not that big of a deal. Like, I really don't actually need to play the piano at church. I'm not even, like, super good. I'm, 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 I'm passable if you need me. I'm not super talented. But it was sort of like this imaginary line that moved me from a member of the – a member, quote-unquote, unofficial member, I guess – that was in good standing and a respected member of the body of Christ to someone who was stigmatized and outside that. I think that, I honestly, I'm not sure if they wanted me to keep going or not. Sometimes they would tell me, yes, please keep coming. Although I think really with the main motivation of, if you hear enough of our sermons, you'll eventually change your mind, which, okay. And, um... I think another one of their motivations was they actually probably did want me to leave because it would just simplify things. and But they didn't want to look cruel or mean in the way that previous churches had, I think both for the sake of their own reputation and for my perception of them. And they didn't, I don't know, want to be seen as repeating things that had happened to me in the past. But at the same time, it's just easier not to have me around because it's hard to know what to do with me. And so I think that those complexities just sort of made it feel like it was best for me and my family to leave. I should also add that my wife was serving in the uh, nursery, so literally with infants, like zero and one-year-olds, and that her status was put in limbo of whether she could serve in the nursery. So if you think that non-Trinitarians shouldn't be allowed to serve in the nursery, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, zero and one-year-olds can't understand the Trinity. So I, I, But it was weird. They never quite gave her an official stance on that. She just, like, was kind of told she couldn't, but not officially told she couldn't. And, like, they, the schedule was weird. Anyway, it was, it was one of those things where I think that <laughs> they were – they they wanted they wanted us to leave but they didn't want to appear too mean while doing it and so it's like please keep coming but also it was really hard to it was really hard to understand their motivations and their communication sometimes it would be like yes please keep coming yes we love your family and other times it would be like why are you even here why do you think that you could fit in here why do you think that this would even work for you like what why what's your motivation for being here it often with some sort of, I don't know, accusation kind of lurking in the air. So it, it was a very confusing situation, honestly. So for my family and I, for my family and I, it's been really hard to figure out what to do next. There is a biblical Unitarian church in Chicagoland that we've been going to as regularly as we can, but it's almost an hour away. 
And um, and during the week, like if we wanted to go to a Bible study or something, there traffic's a little bit worse in Chicago on weekdays than on Sunday mornings. And so it would be over an hour to get there, which makes it basically prohibitively difficult, especially since we have um, multiple small children, to really do anything except going there on Sundays. And even then, going there on Sundays is quite a big commitment when it's about an hour there and an hour back with a bunch of kids. Um, who need to eat and take naps at the right time and all of those sorts of questions. So I think that we will keep doing that, but it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. And, um, uh, but I know that there are a lot of biblical Unitarians who um, would feel jealous even of the opportunity to have a church that they could go to that was within an hour drive. So I'll, I'll at least say that I'm thankful for that. Um, what does this mean for the channel going forward? I think that um, I had been avoiding certain guests for fear that if I had on certain guests that someone in my real life might actually notice this podcast and that it would get me in trouble. Uh, and so for the most part, if you look at the people that I've had on, a lot of them are either scholars or Catholics or Eastern Orthodox folks, or not Christians. And that you'll notice that one category that's kind of suspiciously missing on my guest list is prominent Protestant uh, apologists. And that, that is precisely the sort of guest that I feared would bring my uh, podcast to the attention of people in real life that I was trying to avoid having happen. And so I think that uh, since I'm going to use my real name, since I'm acting, uh, you know, without the fear of um, who may know and who may not know at this point, I think that it would be good for me to talk to more Protestants about this. Like, honestly, I kind of enjoy talking to a Catholic or an Eastern Orthodox person about this uh, theological subject, because at some level, we both sort of know that neither of us are really going to change each other's mind. Like, if I'm talking to a prominent Eastern Orthodox theologian or clergyman, I know that there's no, there isn't a snowball's chance that I'm going to change their mind. But it actually allows for a certain amount of freedom in the conversation if we both know where we're coming from. I felt like my conversation with Brett Sockold was like this to the Catholic theologian, that um, once we both know where we're standing and there's a little bit of security in each of our own identities, that it actually allows for a very peaceful and amenable conversation that I think is sort of what my channel tries to specialize in. With Protestants, if especially a sola scriptura, very committed to the Bible sort of Protestant, if I'm really challenging their idea of what the Bible teaches, then it's it's much more of a active situation or something like that in terms or, or there there seemingly is a lot more consequence or it's a lot more real that one of us might have to change our minds. And that can make the conversation a little bit more difficult to have. But I think that really this is a conversation that I need to have. Um, you know, I, I, I suppose that there could be people out there wondering, Sam, why would you go to these Trinitarian churches at all? Um, and certainly there's people within those churches who wondered that. And I think my answer was at some level I felt like we really could get along and that we were part of the same thing. 
I never caused any problem in these churches unless I was like talking to the actual leaders of the church about what I believed. There was never any question of Sam's behavior or my, you know, spreading uh, rumors about the pastor about how they're wrong on this or that subject or, you know, deconstructing their sermons or anything like that. I never did those sorts of things because I was a mem- I was trying to help the church succeed in its mission. I was trying to help the body be a healthy body of Christ. And I felt like I could contribute to that. And at some level, I feel like it is possible to have fellowship and communion across the Trinitarian-Unitarian divide within Protestantism. I really do believe that because I think that it succeeds as long as people aren't focused on the topic. And I really do think that a commitment to the Bible and a commitment to other core ideas can allow for fellowship between people who disagree on this subject in a Protestant context. And um, But I suppose sometimes that idea is reciprocated by Trinitarians, sometimes it's not. And so I think that, I, I don't know, I've been burned three times, I guess, in this area. And so three strikes, I think kind of I'm out that I'm not saying I won't ever go to a Trinitarian church ever again, and I'm trying not to hold bitterness or anger against people who have made decisions about me in the past. I'm trying to, you know, understand their motivations as um, fairly as I can, and in any ways that I think they've wronged me to forgive them and not hold that against them, and to not let my heart be um, taken over by bitterness or anger or resentment. And I think that that's, I don't know, it's important for my sake and it's important for their sake. But I, I really do think that it's probably best for now if I leave Trinitarian churches alone. And I, can, I do understand why my podcast makes that tricky, even though I would say that the mission of my podcast is to encourage unity across divisions and not to further divisions. And I think anyone who has watched enough of my episodes can see the spirit in which I engage with people and know that that's true, that I'm not trying to create schisms. I'm not really trying to steal people from one theological camp and move them into another theological camp as my primary motivation. My primary motivation is to foster a spirit of um, seeking after the truth through dialogue and mutual understanding and respect. And so uh, I felt like, it's funny, a lot of the people at my recent church who were mad at my podcast had never actually listened to any of my podcasts. They just knew about my podcast. A couple people have watched a few episodes, but I feel like another part of their decision was it, they didn't really fully understand or appreciate the mission of what I was doing, and they could really only understand it through a polemical lens and didn't have any other way to really make sense of what I was doing. And I think that was a little bit of narrowness and understanding on their part and a little bit of an anti-intellectualism. And that's about as harsh as I'll get, but I do think that that was true. So you may have noticed that I probably didn't post very many, as many videos over the last couple months as I normally do. I kept my Church Father series going with Hank um, and had a couple other conversations here and there, but my volume of videos was lower than previously. And honestly, I was sort of letting this situation play out because I had multiple back and forths 
multiple meetings with them, them waiting to decide something, me waiting to react to their decision, stuff like that. And so I wanted to let the situation play out before I address it on my YouTube channel or before. And so that also kind of caused me to not be seeking out new guests in quite the same volume that I normally did. So that was part of what was going on. And so I think that going forward, I will be seeking more conversation with Protestants, both because I don't have to fear who might stumble upon the videos anymore, and also because I think that this conversation of how Unitarian and Trinitarian Protestants can and should get along and have greater respect for each other is something that I feel more urgent and important after this recent thing than I did before. And um, so if you have any guest ideas or anything like that, um, let me know. And another thing that I might do now is uh, maybe I don't need to fear teaching. Maybe some, of my more, maybe some of my videos going forward will be more in the vein of teaching and expressing my own ideas, whether on theological, philosophical subjects or certain passages of the Bible or that sort of thing. And um, so I have some ideas of what I might do about that. So uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, I don't know if this video was too overindulgent. I hope I was respectful for the people involved in this story. If any of you are listening and felt like I wasn't, I apologize. But um, I was doing my best to communicate what happened from my perspective in a way that was gentle and respectful. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening.